Hello and welcome back to the JB Cast JB Podcast, or maybe it's your first time. Welcome. Uh, this is episode 32. It's the second half of our interview, our chat that we had with Luke Tullock. Um, if you didn't hear that one, go back to episode 31, have a listen. This episode jumps straight into where we left off. Uh, Luke's background is in neuroscience and bodybuilding and nutrition, um, and he's got a lot of cool things to say in this, uh, in this interview. Um, so go back and have a listen. Um, he's a coach himself here in Sydney too. Um, yeah, before we get started though, uh, our gym here is in Botany. Quick plug for, for us, we've got a really cool community down here. Um, Joe, Tiora and myself, um, we've got a really great group of coaches. We're building stronger mobile humans down here at 15 Underwood Avenue. Come by and have a visit. If you want to reach out, you need some help, you can go to junglebrothers.com and get in touch with us there. Um, and also check out our social media, uh, follow us there. Uh, uh, yeah, enjoy this chat with Luke Tullock. This one's a bit, uh, this one's a little bit close for me, you know, and, and a friend of mine from jiu-jitsu asked this, but and, and I could, is jiu-jitsu the sport, and I'm guessing you're somewhat familiar with it? Yep. It's, uh, is it primarily an anaerobic or an aerobic activity? Yep. Which I guess we can kind of figure that out. But based on your response to that, what is the, how is that energy system reliant on carbohydrates? Yep, okay. So, you know, so say like in a thing with jujitsu, you get a lot of people that are like into fads and like into mm. like Wim Hof and like keto and all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. So you get all these dudes that are doing jujitsu and then they're eating high fat. Yeah. And they usually fucking struggle. Yep, yep, totally. So, okay, uh, it's mostly anaerobic. So any activity has a, contribution from both aerobic and anaerobic processes to give you energy. It's just the ratios of those change. Higher intensity stuff like lifting weights, doing jiu-jitsu, most team sports, very reliant on anaerobic forms of generating energy. And here's why. Our basic sort of currency of energy in the body is something called ATP. And what happens with ATP is it's got what we call high energy phosphate groups. So ATP stands for adenosine triphosphate. So there's three phosphates. And those are sort of like, they're potential energy, they're stored energy. If you think about a ball sitting at the top of a hill, just before you push it down, that's stored potential energy. As soon as you give it a nudge and it starts rolling, it's kinetic energy. Now, we have to get that ball back to the top of the hill. So what happens is ATP, when it releases energy, pops off one of those high phosphate groups. And once that's gone, we now have got ADP, adenosine diphosphate. So we've gone from three phosphates to two phosphates. So the whole goal of what we're trying to do is stick another phosphate group back on ADP so that we can get ATP back again. We don't have very much ATP stored in our body, but we go through something like 60 kilos of it a day. 60 right? kilos of it a day? Yep. Right. So we're constantly regenerating it and popping off phosphate groups again and then sticking that phosphate back on. Right. And that's how we move energy around the body. Yeah. So our metabolism, our energy systems are designed to basically regenerate our ATP once it starts running out. Now, we can use our macronutrients that we eat, our carbohydrate or our fat or our protein as well, to regenerate ATP. Unfortunately, using fat is a very slow process. We get more ATP out of it, but it takes much longer to do. So whenever you're doing a high intensity exercise where you're spending a lot of energy very fast, the 
metabolic pathway that regenerates ATP using fat and oxygen can't keep up, which means we have to use glucose. We have to go through glycolysis. Glycolysis doesn't give us very much ATP, but it does it really, really, really quickly. That's why we need glucose when we're doing these high intensity types of sports, right? Now you can get away with basically relying more on fats if you're doing something that's quite low intensity. You can do that for sure. Low intensity being an endurance event? Even? Yeah, you know, if you, but even in endurance events, um, there are times where you're not trying to just finish, you're trying to go as fast as possible, right? Yeah. <laughs> so like, let me ask you a question. If you wanted to finish a marathon, would it be better to do it at 10 Ks an hour or 18 Ks an hour? If you had to run the whole thing, it'd be 18 Ks an hour, right? Yeah. Guess what, that's like, that's like as fast as a commercial gym's treadmill goes and that's, uh, marathon runs at the elite level run faster than that. Wow. Okay? Yeah. So they're using very anaerobic processes at that point. Okay, so they need glucose. There's gonna be times when you need to run up a hill. There's gonna be times when you need to surge ahead and, and beat someone at the line. You need carbohydrate for that. There's, there's, not, there's something else I'm gonna go, not gonna go into because it's quite heavy on the biochem stuff, but basically to burn fat, you need some of the intermediaries that come from glycolysis. So glycolysis actually makes burning fat possible, which means you sometimes hear this phrase that fats burn in the flame of carbohydrate. So you actually need carbohydrate cool. around to burn fat. Um, if you don't eat it, you generate it from the um, glycerol molecules, which are part of fatty acids, and you generate it from amino acids as well. So your, your body will make glucose so that it can burn fat. It's needed. Yeah, okay. Is that gluconeogenesis? Gluconeogenesis, When yeah. it comes from protein? Making new, making new glucose is what it means. Yeah, Sick. exactly. Yeah, that happens in the liver. Um, so yeah, so basically, no matter what your sport is, if you want to compete at the highest possible intensity, you need a certain amount of dietary carbohydrate. And especially sports where essentially the aerobic side of things is, is very, very low, like jiu-jitsu, you need carbohydrate to perform at your absolute best because you, you simply can't produce energy fast enough otherwise. Yeah, okay. That's basically the, so we took the long way around, but that's basically why. Yeah, okay. So the, the argument against that, that you hear all the time and I've got clients that I have this, this chat with mm. and um, you read it on the internet, is it the whole ketones thing. Yep. So can you give us uh, your thoughts on, on keto? And Yeah, for sure. So, you know, the, the production of ketone bodies is what happens when you don't have enough carbohydrate around. So your brain still needs a certain amount of glucose. I think off the top of my head, like 20% of its energy requirements come from glucose no matter what. So your body will make more glucose if it doesn't get that. Um, some of that, the processes in your body can still run on ketones which are made from fatty acids. They can still do that. But there's no reason to, to believe based on all the evidence we have that that's any better than using glucose. Glucose is usually the preferred fuel by most tissues, especially the nervous system. Um, you know, so the, the argument of, of using ketones and all this sort of stuff to me, I don't understand what the supposed benefit is supposed to be because every study that's ever been done has never ever shown a superiority for using ketones for performance. Some people say that they feel better on a very low carbohydrate people diet. People love saying that these days. I just do better on fats. Yeah, and you know what? I think that's fine, but you're, there's no way that you can physiologically perform to the same level. I'm sorry, like you're not a unique physiological snowflake. You run on the same metabolism 
that every, every other mammal does on the planet, and there's no way that it's better. You might feel better on it, and it might be because you're removing some foods that don't agree with you. It might be because you just, there's a huge placebo side of things, and I'm not saying placebo to knock it. I think placebo is, and, and mentally how you feel about things is super important. It's like why I said you need to enjoy your training. You get more out of it if you enjoy it. It's a placebo effect. Um, you know, so if you like a certain way of eating, it's quite likely that you might perform a little bit better because you like it and because you're into it and, and it just rings true for you. But physiologically, the carbohydrate intake is always gonna outweigh trying to use ketone bodies as a fuel. Um, you know, so I suppose that's, that comes down to an individual choice. Like I never tell people you have to eat high carbohydrate and low fat. That's my personal preference. Um, you might prefer low carb and that's totally fine. You can still perform well on that. I just don't think you'll perform at your absolute best if you're looking to squeeze every last drop out of your performance without having a reasonable carbohydrate load in your diet. What's your ratios of fat to protein to, to carb? I have Generally. a moderate protein approach, uh, moderate in the bodybuilding world. <laughs> of, <laughs> I take it by, by your body weight. So if you take your body weight in kilograms, I eat about two grams of protein per kilo of body weight, which is um, still you know, quite high. It's still quite high compared to the average person, it's high. Um, I think the lowest end you should, you should go is probably 1.4 or probably 1.6 grams per kilo for everybody, just for general health. Um, as far as fat goes, I eat really low fat. Uh, I just feel better on it and I prefer eating that way personally. Um, until I get to the ice cream and the fried chicken. <laughs> yeah, but generally speaking, um, I actually have to try to get in more fat most of the time. Um, so the lowest I would ever go with, with people is about 0 0.5 grams of fat per kilo of body weight, but that's, that's very low. And that's probably roughly what I eat. Um, for most people it would be 0 0.7 to one gram of fat. And then the rest would be filled out with carbohydrates, which could be anything from like 100 grams, grams of carbs per day. I eat about, 450 grams of carbs a day. Um, so 450. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. But that's, you know, my, my ceiling for calories. Again, I'm eating about three and a half thousand calories a day and maintaining my weight at 93 and a half, 94 at the moment. Um, you know, previously when I've, when I've tried to maintain my weight at like 98 kilos, when I was training a lot, I was having to eat well over 4,000 calories a day. Um, you know, and so then my carbohydrates Jesus. are like 600 grams a day. So, this is like, it's a lot of like rice and oats. <laughs> I watched um, on YouTube, I started watching it. It was uh, Half Thor Bjornsson. Oh yeah, the, I mean, insanity. Yeah, it was him and his coach from the Sebastian. Yes, from, yeah, Baz, yeah, base yeah. gym. Is yeah, that yeah. a bodybuilder? Uh, powerlifter. He's powerlifter. a powerlifter. Okay. Yeah. Very strong individual. But you know, mm. you know Half Thor, right? Mm -hmm. Half Thor's the mountain from Game of Thrones. Oh, okay, right, yeah. But it was, uh, it was a, yeah, it wasn't a great video, but it was um, Sebastian's following him for the day and trying to match every meal that he uh, eats. Mate. So he turns up his house in the morning and it was like, and he's like, yeah, I've had the same breakfast every day for 10 years. And it's like six fried eggs in butter, six rashes of bacon, yeah. big glass of fruit juice, and then like a massive bowl of porridge. And it actually wasn't that insane, right? Like I was like, if I had to do it, I could probably get through it. Yeah. But then it's like two hours later, he's doing but then, it again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> two hours he later, does that seven times a day. Yeah, and he's like, I haven't had a day without eggs for like, 10, 15 years, I can't mm. even remember, you know? It's wild, like a lot of those, 
those guys say that easily the hardest thing about what they do is eating. Is eating. Because they just got to, like you said, it's just insanity. Fuck, it's discipline, huh? Must yeah. tough on the body. Dude, yeah, totally. Got to be tough. They don't last long, right? Yeah, it's yeah. pretty rough. Yeah. Did you have something, T-Bone? I got heaps of questions. There's a lot of questions. <clears throat> we probably got, we're probably going to wrap it up in a couple of minutes, so why don't you go? Well... Look, I got... Um, it's too much good stuff to go yeah, into. Look, I'm happy to keep going if you want. Can we go over? We can go over. Can go over. Even if you want to chop it up for another another app or something, I'm happy to keep going. Yeah. All right, yeah, let's push it. Yeah. My man. Well, okay, on that note, um, obviously you have a, a knack for accumulating knowledge mm. um, relative to your specialisation. And and the, the area that you specialise in, it's... Uh, it's it's full of perspectives and opinions and mm. um, skewed surveys, celebrity authorities. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's probably not another discipline that has as much information that you have to sort through out there. Mm. Uh, what steps do you take to filter like, through the junk and, and just avoid becoming a victim to confirmation bias yourself, given the fact that there's going to be stuff that you feel you're attached to? Yeah. That is a sick question, man. That's a good question. Um, for me, it, that's why I wanted to go back to uni. That's why I wanted to learn some of the basic chemistry and biology and stuff because that way I can logically say, hey, this doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Like the keto thing for me was a non-starter from the beginning because I knew what the metabolic process is to regenerate ATP. You know, but a lot of people don't have that knowledge and so it's very easy for them to go, oh, well, XYZ is doing it and they look great and they say it's awesome and it seems to make sense, so I'll do it. You know, but for me, I was always like, well, it doesn't make any sense. Of course they're not going to perform as well. Like, it, you don't even need to do the studies. Like, here's what, how it works sort of thing. Uh, we've known that for a long time. So for me, it was like getting that basic knowledge really helped me sharpen the bullshit detector. And that's what I wanted to provide with trainers by doing my education stuff. Is like, well, here's the principles. If stuff doesn't fit into the principle, like it's probably not there. But to be perfectly honest, I also really feel that there's a, this is maybe gonna make me sound like a bit of an asshole, but I think there's a massive lack of critical thinking and logic in general by the general public and by trainers and that kind of thing in particular. A lot of shit you don't even need to have any scientific knowledge about to realize that it probably doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So I'll give you an example. Genetically modified foods. I'm gonna probably cop flack for this and I don't give a fuck, come at me. <laughs> so genetically modified foods. If someone goes in and changes one gene in a plant, tests it for safety, passes safety regulations and then you go and eat it, how is that worse than when we mate plants together and we have their entirety of their genome smashing together in a completely uncontrolled manner, and we have no idea what the fuck's coming out the other end, like we've done for thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Apples don't look the same as they did 100 years ago, people, because we breed them. What happens when you breed them? You smash the entire genome together of those two plants, and you have no idea what the fuck's coming out the other end. Absolutely no idea. So to me, logically speaking, if you have a controlled environment where you're altering one gene and then testing it for safety, and then putting it out to the public and you're eating that, that is a billion times removed from traditional methods of breeding animals, of breeding plants, and it's way safer. So to me, if you use that sort of logic, 
then it's kind of, again, it's a bit of a non-starter and there's this like a rational fear around GMO. And like, I'm not saying we shouldn't test. I'm not saying it could be dangerous in the wrong hands and all this type of stuff. Absolutely, it should be tested and it should be, you know, really under wraps and, and done very carefully. But honestly, it's very far removed from just traditional breeding, which is potentially, if you're going along those lines, way more dangerous because of the unknown, right? So that's kind of where I come in is like, if you have some more critical thinking skills and you, you understand um, logic and how to debate a little bit better, then I think you can learn a lot better. And so to your question of how do I deal with my own personal biases, everybody's gonna, I think firstly recognizing that you have biases and that nobody is objective. It doesn't matter who you are, you always have some subjective dog in the fight. Um, but then being open-minded and taking the stance that if I change my mind, it's a good thing. If you don't change your mind, it means obviously you're not learning. You're not refining your ideas. Part of the scientific method is actually that we update our ideas and our models based on the evidence that's presented to us. And so I try and take that into everything that I do. Um, I'm happy to change my mind if I genuinely think that it needs changing and if there's evidence for it. And I celebrate the fact that when I do change my mind, I've discovered something new for myself and I've gotten better. You're and, evolving. And you're evolving and you're gonna get better. That's a good point because I'm, I'm guessing, sorry to jump in, in the scientific field, it's very easy to, say you commit a large part of your time, it's been, you take, say you take a couple of years to study um, fats and how they're really beneficial for the body and how, yeah. you know, and then you go in deep down that rabbit hole and then it's easy for you to become attached to that thing for and sure. then passionate about that thing. 100%. And then you have this confirmation bias, right? That's the thing, yeah. You're always going to have that and that's the thing, you know, especially like if I've put my ass on the line out there and said, you know, what I just said about the GMO foods, if we get evidence in the next 10 years that says completely otherwise, I look like a big fucking idiot right now, right? I just look like the biggest idiot on the planet and it's going to be really hard for me to say, well, actually, you know, that's completely wrong and all the information I put out before and I sold to you was wrong. Um, and I still feel awkward about some of the shit I've told my clients in the past where I'm like, this is 100% how it is, man, and this is what you gotta do and you gotta buy this up and you gotta use that. And now I cringe thinking, imagine if those people that I worked with come back and still saw what I was saying now, they'd be like, that motherfucker told me the wrong thing. <laughs> but it's just how it is, you know? It's real. It's how it is. Uh, but you're right, you do, you have this investment in, in that sort of stuff. And it's like the, it's both the brilliance of the modern world and the downfall is that you have these specializations. If we didn't have the specialization, we wouldn't know all the stuff we knew today. We wouldn't have all the incredible technology and all of the science that's going on at the moment. But at the same time, there's a massive deficit in trying to bring all of those bits and pieces together to give a better overall picture and to, and to try and put it all together into something that's practical for people to use. So it's hard, right? Hmm. And you talk about, so basing your, what you prescribe on, on evidence-based science, yeah. uh, given the fact that you you would consider yourself a scientist. Mm. Um, do you make this a black and white, white rule for yourself? Are you, are you experimenting with, with your pool of, of clients at the same time, taking data from that and then potentially going against the grain or? Yeah, totally. I think so people, um, and you'll find this a lot, sometimes I cringe to call myself evidence-based because a lot of the evidence-based people are actually not that evidence-based. When they say evidence-based, they mean, oh, if there wasn't a study done on it, I'm not interested in it. Mm. And that's ridiculous, man, mm -hmm. that is so stupid. Evidence-based means that I take into account all of the available evidence, 
and I make my decisions based on the overall balance of that evidence. What constitutes evidence? Anecdote? Totally. Expert opinion? Yes. Studies? Yes. Different kinds of studies? Yes. Um, now they have different weightings, like if there's a study on something uh, versus the opinion of like a gym bro, okay, I'm gonna go with the study on this one, but it doesn't mean that the opinion and the anecdote of the gym bro is invalid, it's still a form of evidence. You still gotta take it into account. And the other thing that I mentioned earlier yeah, on- especially if that gym bro is like someone who's been around for a long time. Well, exactly. I mean, look, if there's a, if there's a jack really dude- loves stuff. Yeah, if there's a jack dude that's done something that's worked really well for him and he tells me about it, I'm gonna listen. Of course I'm gonna listen, the dude's jacked. Obviously something he's doing is working, right? You might not know why, but it might be something there. Benches, you need benches three yeah. days a week. <laughs> That's it. That's what I remember the jack dude told me when I started training at the gyms. Yeah. Mate, you just need benches, three days a week bench <laughs> press. <laughs> mate, your chest will grow. Well, that's it, right? There's, there's always some knowledge in that, you know? Like yeah. There's always a kernel of knowledge. But like it's, you know, like I said earlier, it's, um, it's being aware that there's never gonna be a study on the individual in front of you. Like studies are there to uh, eliminate variables so that we can work out how things are working. But when we're in the real world, sorry, all the variables are there. Like, so there's, there's something called internal validity and external validity. So if you have a study that is really watertight and it controls all of the variables, it's highly internally valid, which means I'm trying to work out how X supplement affects Y. I've controlled all the other variables. They're all eating the same, they're moving the same, they're exercising the same, they're sleeping the same, blah, 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 blah. Um, I've controlled everything, which means the results of my study are super accurate, they're, they're great. However, the more you do that, which is great for a study, the less externally valid it is. Externally valid mm, being mm. the real world. Mm. The bigger lab. When nothing's controlled. Mm. So you have this contrast of like, well, okay, you can make something closer to real, like you often hear people say when a study comes out, well, nobody does it like that. Why did they set up the study that way? Yeah. Because they're, they're trying to answer and isolate a really specific question, that's why. Mm. Yeah. And if you make it more externally valid, it means the internal validity of the study suffers. So you've got this seesaw. Mm. And so you always gotta try and take that into account and be like, well, every study done is not my client, it's not me. It is, I could be anywhere on that spectrum. I have a billion other factors to think about and variables. So you gotta interpret. You gotta take the evidence on a whole and interpret and play with it. And like I said, if you've got principles, um, like we know, so mechanical tension and training volume for our hypertrophy, it's like, shit man, how many programs can you come up with that satisfy those? It's literally endless. Mm. It's literally endless. So, you know, I can't tell you that training a certain way is wrong uh, if you're satisfying those and you've got a, a reason to justify it, you know? How They've never you, done a study on it, so. How do you feel when you read a book like, um, like The 4-Hour Body? Yeah. You know, like a famous book written by Tim Ferriss, for anyone that doesn't know, and it, it's, it's a cool read. Yeah. And it, but he basically summarizes all of these, you know, he's like, this is the way to build muscle. Yeah. You know, and this is the way to do whatever. Do you know what? I think things like that, um, if we circle back to like, there's stuff that's optimal but adherence and consistency will beat it all. It could be the shittest program on the planet, but if you actually do it, it's still better than the best program on the planet that you never did. Yeah. So that's the way, that's the way I, I view it. It's like, if people are buying into it, they're like, fuck yeah, man, this is awesome. Let's, like, I'm gonna do it and I'm gonna be into it. Like, that's better than if I came along and said, well, actually, that's not optimal. And then they're like, oh, well, I'm not very excited about doing this. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
So he's presenting like this is the optimal thing. And it's like, well, yeah. But he's selling it to people and they're going to do it. So, I, so I, then it works. So then it works. Yeah. You know? And so like that's the advantage of that. I just feel that, um, you know, people need to stay open-minded about stuff. And there's, there's never a sort of one optimal situation because it's a fluctuating soup of variables, our lives that we live, you know. Yes. One thing that's great for you now is not necessarily going to be great for you in six months' time or whatever it is. But, you know, on that point, there are some people that I think are, are scum that do stuff like that. So I'll You want to call anyone out? Gary Taubes. Gary Taubes. Ready to go. Who's that? So he wrote uh, Good Calories, Bad Calories. Oh, and yeah. um, he basically has this big thing about the insulin hypothesis of obesity. And basically, insulin is a hormone that helps your body store fat. And um, when insulin is high, it suppresses fat burning. That's all true. Uh, insulin is increased the most when you eat carbohydrates. So basically, he extended that line of logic and said, you've got to cut out carbs to lose fat. Now, the amount of evidence against that is tremendous. If I listed all the studies here, we'd be here all afternoon. But there's an, a, in excess of 50 studies that have directly proven that to be false. And Gary's not an idiot, right? He has been to some of the best universities in the US. He's had debates with some of the highest profile people in my world over this sort of thing. And he repeatedly comes up short and basically denies and then just sticks to his story. Now, Gary even created a uh, organization where they wanted to fund a study that directly looked at some of this stuff. It was called NUSI, and he basically helped design the study. He, f he helped fund it. He organized the person who was going to take care of it, Kevin Hall, who's a very, very bright bloke, set up a very good uh, series of studies. And they looked at it and it disproved Gary's hypothesis. And Gary was asked about this, and in advance, they said, you know, if your studies that NUSI is, is funding come up and say that your hypothesis is wrong, will you change your mind? And he said, no. <laughs> so someone like Gary is an absolute scumbag. He's a fucking scumbag and he's a liar. So when people are writing books like that and they're not willing to change their minds, yeah, I'm happy, to, I'm, ha I'm happy to call them scumbags and say that's wrong. Someone like Tim Ferriss, I don't believe has that intention behind what he's writing. He's just curating info. He's, exactly, he? he's curating info and he's selling it to people in a presentable package. But I don't think he would ever say, you know, this is the only way to do things and I'm never going to change my mind on it. He's not that kind of guy. Yeah. When did he write that book, Gaza? Uh, it was quite a few years ago, and then he wrote a follow-up called Why We Get Fat and What to Do About It, okay, which yeah, was basically just the same thing. Um, you know, so, yeah. So, let's say... Good call-out, by the way. Good call-out. Mm. I call him out all the time Fuck in my seminars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, nice. <laughs> yeah, <it's funny>. <laughs> <laughs> for, 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 the average, for the average Joe of the Weekend Warrior, somebody who wants to delve deeper into these, these areas, hmm. uh, where, where are the good resources then? The best resources are... Probably Besides your own, your own web, yeah, my web own what do you got? You got a website and a Instagram? Yeah, most of my stuff um, is on my Instagram. I've got a, a big project that I'm announcing very, very soon that's oh, going to be can you talk about very that? accessible. Um, yeah, I might talk about it actually. This, might, this is Breaking the first news. time I'm publicly <laughs> announcing oh. it. Yeah, I'm putting together a membership site. The membership site's going to be available pretty soon and it's going to be pretty cheap. I just want it to be accessible. I want good information to be accessible to people. Cool. Um, you know, so in there, there's going to be topics like we're talking about, monthly topics on things like inflammation, oxidative stress, uh, hormones, all of this type of stuff that people have questions about. 
Um, there's information on how to structure eating and training programs. Uh, there are monthly Q and A's with um, myself. And then there's also like expert interviews and all that sort of stuff. So I'm getting a few bright people that I know to write like, well, this is how I program for muscle growth and strength. And this is how is I do a comp prep or whatever. Is this for coaches? It's for everybody. Everybody. Yep. So well, I've kind of exciting. moved from the coaching side to everybody. I think everybody will benefit from it. Um, so that's cool. great. But I also think that um, you need to find an expert that you trust, but then you need to understand that, that expert is not going to be right all the time. I'm not right all the time. There's going to be stuff that you disagree with me on some things, but there's going to be other stuff that you might emphatically agree with on others. And that's everybody in my circle, there's stuff that like, you know, 90% of what they say, I'm on board with it, man, and I'll trust this guy because I know his information is good. But there might be 10% of stuff that I'm like, yeah, I don't really rate that. But you have to understand that you're separating their work from the person themselves as well. So I think if you try and find a good expert, like, Generally speaking, in this field, people like uh, that have a lot of integrity are people like Greg Knuckles, uh, Eric Helms, um, people along those lines. I think are really good for general training and nutrition information, and I follow them on social media. They put out a lot of good info. Their podcasts are really good. Um, there's other people that put out really good information, like Lyle McDonald is fantastic, but he's an absolute dick. Hmm. However, many people are able to separate his personality from his work. His work is brilliant. His personality is terrible. He's a child. Um, you know, so I think just finding someone that you resonate with and you feel like you can trust is important, but then also understand that they're not going to be right all the time. And those are probably the best resources. Um, That's yeah. a powerful thing, right? To be able to say, yeah, I was wrong about that. Or I yeah. don't know. Yeah. Oh, I don't know is a big one, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. For sure. Did you ever listen to just, uh, there was a podcast that Joe Rogan did where he had two guys on. One was debating um, more of a, a basic um, balance of nutrients. Mm. So carbohydrates, fat, protein, and another guy, the other guy was completely anti-carb. I think it was Dom uh, yeah. D'Agostino and Lane Norton yes. that you're talking about. I didn't actually listen to that. I find those very frustrating to listen to. It was to. the shittest podcast. It's horrible. But I, it's a lot of it is like semantics and back and forth like that, right? Yeah, totally. And it, it, it's just really interesting because you're like, well, I mean, it's interesting on a couple of levels. One, it's like, wow, how can, how can this be so fucking confusing? Yeah. Right? Like, how do we really not know? But I guess my, the bigger question around that, and this is really relevant to our listeners, because people listen to that shit, right? So they yeah. listen and they're like, oh man, I've heard a lot of people mention to me, oh man, Dom D'Agostino, like you watch his stuff, he's great. And then, you know, I get people mentioning names of people I've never heard of, but they're obviously influenced by yeah. these people. Um, how is it that we still don't know? And how is it that these things are so, this nutrition thing is so murky at those extreme ends? Do you know what? I think the biggest issue is just context. I really do. Um, because in many, like, like I said, there's so many variables when it comes to people with their lives, their genetics, their, you know, what they do, that, that them in that particular moment, you know, like I said, not everything's gonna be perfect for you forever. Uh, I think that's really the biggest issue is that people miss out on the context. Like if we talked about a ketogenic diet, like in some contexts, I would be 100% up for you using a, a ketogenic diet. If you were competitive BJJer, I wouldn't be, very keen on that. I'd be pretty against it. Um, you know, so it can work. It just depends on the situation and the context. It depends on the person. Um, and I think that's really where we're, we're stumbling is that, you know, someone will say, well, I tried X, Y, and Z, 
and it didn't work. Therefore, I think eating low carb is better because it worked well for me. And it's like, contextually, it probably worked better for you because it was easier for you to control your calories that way. Um, you know, and that's why it worked. But it wasn't probably because of what you thought it was. Uh, so I think that's kind of the big stumbling block is there's just too many variables to try and, and again, give an individual recommendation for everybody uh, out of research. I think we do know a fair bit, but it, it's just one of those things where it's, I think the practicality sometimes get, gets lost as well, you know? Yeah, right. Yeah. What's actually going to be applicable What's in gonna your be life? Yeah, well, exactly, yeah. Um, Keto's a great example. It's fucking hard to get your hands on that much fat, and it's expensive yeah. to buy 16 avocados a day. Yeah, look, I mean, and some people love it. I think some people love those kind of diets, and I used to be very paleo-oriented because it was just a, like I said, it's a line in the sand. It's like, you can't cross that line. I'm sorry, that has carbohydrates in it? Cool, I'm not eating it. You know, that's easy, um, conceptually. Yeah. It's much harder to kind of be like, well, you can eat literally anything you want, but then you gotta weigh it first and work out how many calories in it and all this shit. And some people just go, fuck, man, it's easier when I just have the rule of like, is it processed or in a box and I'm not allowed to eat it. Yeah. So yeah. Speaking of boxes and processes, you mentioned um, supplements, uh, yeah. prescribing supplements to clients many years ago. Now mm. they you they uh, saying, hey, what the fuck? You have you changed your your mind on certain things? And yeah. talk about your approach to supplements. And obviously, there's stuff out there that works yep. potentially, and then there's a whole bunch of shit that doesn't. Yep. So let's say I'm new to bodybuilding and I and I walk into uh, ASC is it ASC? ASN. ASN, and yeah. I'm like, I mean, it's like fucking lolly shop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? All the gains. Every single body bottle's got the the body of a guy that I want to look like. <laughs> yeah. um, where do you start? Except they got thin necks. Don't forget that. Thin, thin necks. Except for the <laughs> except for the jujitsu protein, yeah. carpa, car, creatine. Yeah, you need the Brazilian brand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think firstly, most stuff does something. Like if you're gonna take something and put it in your body, it's gonna do something. The issue is whether it's much that it's doing, whether it's a significant amount, and then what's the risk to reward ratio of that? Now, I include the cost of the supplement, the, the physical price of the supplement as part of the risk. So if I spend $60 to get something that's gonna get me an extra 0.1%, like yeah, it's improving me, but is it worth $60? Nah, I don't care. Um, I would rather spend the money on something that has a better risk to reward ratio where maybe I get a little bit more out of it. So there is some stuff that I feel is cheap and effective and has basically minimal side effects, but gets you a reasonable amount of bang for your buck. There's other stuff that I think works, but it's just too expensive to even consider, in my personal opinion. Um, so let me give you some examples. Stuff like creatine, very well researched, does a fair bit, super cheap, basically no side effects aside from a bit of uh, weight gain. Um, well, that's not a side effect. Not a problem with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what's funny? Like I get tons of um, people message me when they're, they're, they're busy dieting or they're about to start dieting. They're like, should I take creatine? You seem to like creatine. I'm like, no, because it's going to fuck up your, your weight data. Just wait till you're like weight stable and then take some and then, you know, you can Is that of, a water retaining? Yeah, it basically sucks water into the muscles. So you might put on a kilo or two maybe. Decent. Um, yeah, but that's obviously going to muck up your, 
your weight data, if you're trying to weigh yourself every day to see if you're losing fat, it's going to fuck that up. So wait till your weight's stable to use it. So, you know, that is so cheap, but it's like, you know, if you bought it and you bought a kilo of it and you, you started using it and then you kind of forgot about it or you didn't want to take it anymore, it's like no loss. You're going to, it's like $15 that you've lost. So who cares? Um, you know, something like vitamin D as well, super cheap, associated with a lot of things. If your vitamin D level is low, fuck yeah, I'd be taking that. Damn, damn straight I would be. Um, so things like that, that are super basic, that have got a fair bit of different associations with them that are cheap, to me, I'm all about. Um, other stuff I feel is just a little bit of a waste of money. So again, if I'm gonna get even 1% out of it, but I have to spend $100 a week on it or $50 a week, I don't feel that's worth it because I could take that $50 and I could spend that on better quality food, more vegetables. I could put it towards coaching, which I get more out of. Yeah. Um, you know, I even think putting it to $50 towards your hobby that gives you a bit more stress relief mm. is probably gonna be a better investment. You know what I mean? So you have to make that judgment. Like the supplements are all mostly gonna do something. They're all mostly gonna work, but it all depends on whether the risk to reward ratio is there. And there's very, very few supplements that satisfy that. So we've got creatine, vitamin creatine, D, protein D3. powder. I like protein powder. You don't have to have it. I like it because it's convenient. It helps me bump up my protein intake at various meals. So to give you an example, I like mixing it into things like oats. I like mixing it into yogurt. Um, and that bumps up the protein of a meal that is otherwise gonna be mostly carbohydrate. Um, it's obviously convenient around training. Uh, so I think it's a great investment, personally. I don't buy any, anything expensive. I buy whey protein concentrate. I buy it in bulk from an online uh, retailer like Bulk Nutrients or VPA or whatever your preferred one is. And it costs me something like, um, you know, for five kilos, it costs me like $98 or something like that. And that's gonna last me for How many ages. kilos? Five kilos. Is whey protein concentrate the... It's a cheaper one. Yeah, right, isolate is the more... It's the more expensive one. Yeah, right. Um, you know, it's got a few less grams of fat in it, the isolate, and a few, like maybe one less gram of carbs or whatever. It's like a little bit um, less calorie dense, but that doesn't matter to me at all. Yeah. And you end up paying $10 a kilo more. So for me, that's not worth it. The risk yeah. to reward ratio, not good for me. WPC, great. Um, so protein powder, I'm totally, I'm totally up for. Um, what else is there? Do you like, do carb supplements? Nah. Just eat carbs? Eat carbs. Preferred yeah. carb. Look, here's the thing, is that if you're replacing uh, whole foods with supplements, you're not gonna get the most out of it because the whole food comes with an entire matrix of nutrients that work synergistically together. So I could have a carbohydrate powder and get 100 grams of carbs, but if I ate 100 grams of carbs from oats, I'm getting all of the vitamins and minerals in the oats, I'm getting fiber, I'm getting enjoyment from the mouthfeel and the fact that I get to eat a nice delicious meal because uh, I really like oats. So all of those are factors that are way in favor of the oat, 100 grams of carbs from oats, way yeah. in favor. Um, even though like body comp wise, like and our energy balance wise, it's the same. You know, if we're talking about practical side of things, they're not really the same, are they? Um, yeah, so the other thing I would probably mention is like a multivitamin. A lot of people kind of a fan of a multivitamin. Now the data, if we look at the research for multivitamins is not great. Like there's no association with long-term health and taking a multivitamin or anything like that. But a lot of the people that I deal with are dieting quite a lot. And if you're in a big deficit and you're not eating as much food, guess what? You're not availing yourself to as many nutrients. Now, getting nutrients from whole foods, 
like I just mentioned, always better because they come in a big matrix of nutrients that work synergistically together. So taking a multivitamin does not provide you with that. However, if you're eating much less food and therefore your volume of food is going down, you're not availing yourself to as many nutrients and then using a multi might make sense in that case. So something like that I think is probably fine. Yeah. But again, it's not something that I just take willy-nilly all the time. You know? Yeah. Because if you can justify one thing, you can justify a million other things. So for me, it's like if I've got a few that work well for me, that's cool. The other thing that I take is melatonin because uh, sleep is extremely important. Uh, I think there's more evidence coming out now about um, chronicity or like your... Uh, your circadian rhythmicity and, and you know when you're eating and when you're sleeping and all that type of stuff, which um, could be something that's pretty big in the next couple of years. Um, but I go to bed very early. So I go to bed at 8 p.m. because I got to get up at four to train people. So for me, especially in summer, when the sun's, sun's still up, when I'm trying to go to bed, okay, I'm gonna take some melatonin to help me sleep. Do you have to take it? No. Can a good nighttime routine and less light exposure um, be just as good or if not better, yes. But I take, melatonin. Yeah, I take melatonin, especially in summer when I'm exposed to more light when I'm trying to go to bed. And that's a, and I mean, there's, there's different, like you can get the os, what is it? The homeopathic melatonin, which kind of doesn't do shit, right? Yeah, it doesn't work. Or you can get the actual melatonin, which is yeah. the hormone. So in Australia and New Zealand, those are prescription only, the actual melatonin, but you can order it from overseas and it's fine, it's no problem. I do it all the time. Yeah, nice. Um, and that's, again, that's cheap. There's no side effects, basically. If you take a bit too much, you might feel a bit groggy the next morning, but otherwise, a lot of health benefits associated with that. get me some of that, because I find it fucking hard to get to bed early. Yeah, in. Dude. I find it hard all the time, but summer in particular. It's honestly something that helps me a lot. So I, I like using that. When you talk about creatine uh, and even protein, when, and, and there's a lot of different brands of both. Yeah. And then you get these concoctions with with other things in there that they kind of almost use as a as a marketing tool to mm. to tell you that their their mix is is more potent because they've yeah. added some other filler are you looking for like uh when you when you look for something like this are you looking for the 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 purest form mm. of the active ingredient or do you do you want to do you want to head towards the ones that are that are, that are mixed a little or Generally speaking, you kind of want the, the purer form. So to give you an example, there's tons of different types of creatine that have come out. Micronized. Um, but, but the old traditional creatine monohydrate, it's the cheapest one, works the best. Really? Yeah. So you can buy creatine, crealkaline and all these different kinds, but the basic creatine monohydrate works the best and it's the cheapest. Um, it's got the, the most track record behind it in the research. So there's a big problem with the supplement industry, and this is another reason why I don't like using supplements, is because you actually don't know what's in it. Yeah. There's a really cool website called labdoor.com, and what they do is they independently take supplements and they test them, and they check if the in actual ingredients that are listed on the label are on there, if there's anything else, and what are the concentrations. And it varies wildly. There is no supplement that they've tested so far that is 100% accurate, huh. none of them. So you actually don't just really there know. Is cross contamination and that sort of There's thing. There's just no regulation on it. Right. Very but little it, regulation. Is it because it's not because companies are necessarily trying to be unethical? I don't think so. I think there's various tolerances, right? right? So they might say, look, we're happy if it's if the concentration is between X and Y, then it's okay. But it doesn't get 
followed up on very much, I don't think. Like, I don't, I don't think it's very strictly regulated. So um, the industry, unfortunately, is not regulated to the point where you can be absolutely guaranteed that every brand that says creatine on it is going to have exactly what it says in it. It might have some other stuff. It might not have some of the active ingredients that it says, which is why, again, buying blends of things, you don't know for sure that that's going to be in there. Um, and that's a big problem. And I don't know what... There's no way around that. So if you don't know what you're putting in your body, don't take it, is my stance. You know, so some basic supplements that are cheap to produce, uh, where they're unlikely to cut corners, I'm happy to take. But to give you an example, like the multi-problem, it's like you don't actually... There's, there's like... Could be 20 or 30 ingredients in there. And you don't know exactly what the concentrations of all of those are. You don't know what the amounts you're taking in through your diet are. So now you're introducing a completely unknown amount of 30 different things into your body. So do you want to be doing that all the time? I'm like, I don't think so. I don't think that's a good idea. Now, it's probably going to be harmless. It's probably going to be fine. But I don't like the idea of it. You know, and there's there's no way of really knowing. So I Especially do. Especially if you're doing it for a long time. For a, exactly. So I actually have a general practice of just not taking supplements every now and then. So if, if a multi uh, says take two pills every day, uh, if I'm going to take the multi, I might do two pills every day for two weeks, and then for a month I don't use it, or for two weeks I don't use it, or I might do one pill every day, right? Um, but I try and like not use some supplements. Uh, Frequently, I'll, I'll just stop using them. Um, you know, so I use, do use tools like Labdoor and stuff, but there's so much out there on the market that you can't look at every brand and every bottle that comes out. It's hard, man. So um, I think that's a big, big problem with the supplement industry and another reason why it's probably, you know, that risk to reward ratio is probably a little bit skewed on a lot of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Could you talk on, um, you know, something that, that comes about with the the macro or you know the macronutrient kind of approach mm. so keeping track of your protein fat and carbs and whatnot and something that i hear from people who are in who who kind of don't believe in that approach yeah they'll often go back to the micronutrient thing yep um could you talk on that and how so for someone like yourself where you you obviously have a you obviously lean towards the macro thing and it works yeah. for you and you know, the chicken wings and whatever. Yeah. But then how do, you, how do you ensure that from a micronutrient perspective, you're ticking the boxes? Yeah, that's, that's a super good point. Um, just because you track your food and because you have macro targets doesn't mean you get to eat like an idiot. Um, obviously, if all you ever ate was chicken breast or KFC or whatever, like one food item, you're still going to run into issues with nutrient deficiencies and stuff. Now, again, if we look at the hierarchy of importance, it's energy balance first, okay? So if we're looking to, for example, lose some fat, it doesn't matter where those calories come from really, as long as you're getting the right amount of calories. If you're eating protein, uh, if, so the next level up would be macronutrients. What ratios of carbs, fats, and protein are you eating? And the most important one there is protein because if you don't eat enough protein, you won't preserve muscle mass and then the weight you lose will come from muscle and not from fat. So you need enough protein. Does it matter where that protein comes from? Well, firstly, we just need to get enough protein. The next level after that is where are we getting all of our calories from? Where are we getting our protein from? And so you have to satisfy those conditions first and you will control your body composition if you satisfy those first two levels of the hierarchy first. But if you want to maximize health and performance, now you need to go the next level, which is your micronutrition. So yeah, it is super important that you get enough fiber. It is super important that you get variety in your foods. 
because there are phytonutrients in plant foods and, and uh, fruits, and many of them we don't even know about yet. We haven't discovered them yet. We don't know what they do. We don't know what ratios we should be using them in, all that sort of stuff, which is the food matrix idea I spoke about before. Yeah. Uh, or the nutrient matrix uh, idea. So it doesn't give you license to eat like an idiot. And unfortunately, the if it fits your macro thing, kind of turned into that. It kind of turned into people going, like, look how shitty I can eat and still be lean. Yeah. Which is dumb. It's so dumb. You know, there's so much more to it than that. Um, so within what I do, uh, which is what I would probably call flexible dieting, it's flexible. It means that on Fridays, the pub around the corner from my house has a chicken wing special and I like beer. So I'm going to go have a beer and some chicken wings with my mate and I can fit that into my diet. However, for every other day during the week, I'm eating a variety of fruits and vegetables. I'm eating lean proteins from a variety of sources. I'm, get, I'm making sure I'm getting in enough fiber. Um, you know, I drink mostly water and coffee. Like, so you're still satisfying all of those things to try and get enough micronutrition in as well. Yeah. You know, so it doesn't give you a license to just eat like an idiot all the time. However, if you did want to stay in shape, and you were going to go party for a week or something, like you could use the same principles and stay in shape and at least limit the damage and then you know, start eating normally again with a variety of healthy foods after that. So yeah, I think people have just taken the concept and kind of bastardized it, but it, it's, it's a more intelligent way of flexibly eating, right? That I, that I like to subscribe to for sure. Makes sense. Mm. Uh, I, this is a little bit off topic, but I think there's someone that needs to be, to be mentioned and that's your wife, Funny. Yeah. Yeah. who is a well-respected mm. uh, uh, coach in our gym. Yep. She's a, a stretch therapist, yeah. which seems like it's a world away from what, what you do. Yeah. Now, first of all, is it? And, and do you guys have conflicting uh, ethos on certain things? And I think um, it's not that far away because a lot of what we're trying to do is, is uh, cause adaptation in, in the body, right? Like we spoke a bit about before, if you thought of a, of a bodybuilding movement, the stuff you think of, we mentioned bench presses, right? Stuff like that. Benchies. Benchies, but really what, we're, <laughs> what are we doing with that? We're, we're putting tension across tissue and you don't have to do a traditional bodybuilding movement to do that, you know? Like there's a reason why a lot of gymnasts are super jacked because they work close to failure and they put tension across those tissues and they do a certain amount of volume every week. Hell yeah, you can get Jack doing that. Um, you don't have to do bench presses to do that. Um, so I think it's probably closer than a lot of people think in terms of the type of training that we do because we're just trying to induce an adaptation from the tissue. In terms of ethos, yeah, we're, we're a bit different. Like you can probably tell I'm a little bit more data, numbers oriented and she's a lot more um, intuition oriented, I suppose. I was joking because I listened to a podcast on the Tim Ferriss podcast actually with Seth Godin. Oh yeah. Um, he's he's cool. an interesting guy, but he, he's like into all of this stuff, but he doesn't measure anything. Like he bought a coffee machine that is like top of the line. Like I'm talking, even if you walked into a specialty coffee shop and you saw one of these things, you'd be like, that's the next level. He bought one of those and he roasts his own coffee beans but he doesn't do the most basic thing that any person making coffee at home should be doing, which is weighing your beans. <laughs> because it's a recipe. Like if you use more beans, it's gonna be stronger. 
and he doesn't weigh them. <laughs> so he I just, just told her, I told her, it's, he's an interesting guy, but it was like, there's no way I could do that. I couldn't physically <laughs> make myself be like that. And she was pissing herself because she could do that no problem. And you, you are a coffee guy, right? Yeah. So it cuts deep. <laughs> when I cook something, I time it when I'm, when I'm cooking it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Whereas they, every, most people probably just go uh, by feel, like, yeah. oh yeah, it's probably done. No, I time it, you know, and I weigh everything and yep. all that type of thing. So that's what I'm like, whereas she's much more intuition-based. So I think it actually, like, it, it works well with each other. Yeah, each it does complement each other quite well. It's funny like that. Though. Well, if you were both your way, you could be uh, a really fucking boring couple. It would be neurotic, <laughs> it would be neurotic <laughs> man. But if, be you were, if you were both her way, you could also be really boring, yeah, right? Yeah, like, yeah, it's, it's yeah, nice yeah. to have that mix. Totally, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's funny, but I think we understand each other, which is what makes it work. But yeah, I mean, like, to answer your question of the training side of things, I actually think it's closer than most people think, mm. yeah. Yeah. You do much stretching yourself? Yeah. Um, like I'm not super flexible, but I think uh, doing that stuff is quite important to me because I've noticed that I feel better when I do it. Um, so I do at least one long... Well, what I've done in the past is I've done at least one long stretching session a week where I'll stretch for like an hour and a half and I hold most stretches for like three to five minutes. What I'm doing at the moment is I'm trying to stretch more frequently to see if that works a bit better. And so at the end of my training sessions, I might spend you know, 10, 15 minutes stretching a few key areas and seeing if that works better or not for me. Um, but yeah, I, I do stretch. I like that stuff. Nice. Feels good. Is Juji Mufu a big inspiration for you? <laughs> that guy's wild, man. <laughs> How wild is that guy? He's so good. Yeah, he's crazy. I, I, think, I feel like he's kind of maybe tapering off a little bit. Yeah. Like he's... Yeah. He had his We've reached moment. Juji. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, after I saw him doing like splits with you know, 60 kilos and a snatch on a pair of chairs. I was just <laughs> yeah. like, I, I don't understand how this guy's gonna take it up to another level. But then he started lighting <laughs> fires and shit. And then I was like, oh man, he's going full on. Yeah, I remember hearing him on a podcast and he was saying it's actually getting really hard. I bet. coming up with ideas. I bet, <laughs> far out. So when are you uh, planning on joining the three of us and becoming a dad? Oh, dude. Oh, funny's, oh. funny's desperate for that. <laughs> you can call him a dick if you want. <laughs> she's she's going to be, I almost suspect she's uh, put you up to that. <laughs> she's got a strong maternal instinct and I'm a very patient man. So she's slowly wearing me down. I should say the four of us actually, because as is a dad as well. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of dads. <laughs> yeah, who knows, man. Soon. How old Soon. are you? Uh, 31 this year. Right on. Clock's ticking, bro. Yeah, That's young, what she bro. says, but I go, well, but there's a difference, that. right? So my dad would have had me when he was 34, five maybe. Uh, but Funny's mum had her on her 19th birthday. Uh, oh, wow. So we've got very different perspectives on that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, soon, nice. uh, next couple of years. Oh, awesome. That's yeah. cool, man. Yeah. <clears throat> Hey man, um, we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up there. Cool. But I wanted to just, you know, you've got a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. I know that you run a really, uh, well, I know you run a mentorship, and I know you also run a group on Facebook for PTs, and mm. you got a lot of cool stuff going on. Could you tell us where people can find you, what you have coming up, and your avenues? Yeah, for sure. Um, my Instagram is probably the best place because I just pop a little link tree thing in there, and you can kind of access any seminars I'm doing and all my courses and all that sort of stuff there. Uh, so that's underscore Luke Tullock. Uh, so hit me up there. The next seminar I'm doing is in August 17th and 18th of August. I'm presenting with a real big rig, Jordan Shallow. 
It's called Systems in Synergy. So that's just a one-off in Melbourne. So if you can come along to that, it might be sold out by now, but it's going to be awesome. It's going to be really, really good. Was it Systems in Synergy? Yeah. Jordan Shallow is the guy I'm presenting with. He's a bit of a big deal stateside. Um, I've been in the audience of one of his presentations before and it's sick. So I'm I'm really stoked to have the opportunity to actually present alongside him, which is awesome. Really cool. Um, But yeah, other than that, you know, keep an eye out for the membership site, which is coming out pretty soon. I would say maybe next month to six weeks, we're going to be live with that sort of thing. Um, Yeah, and if you have any questions, hit me up. Uh, Probably Instagram is the easiest way to do that because I just spend quite a lot of time on there just answering people's questions. What is the membership site for coaches or for... For both. Yeah, okay. Both coaches and... clients. Well, here's the thing. I think, honestly, for a lot of people, if you're a massive fitness enthusiast, you probably have a similar knowledge to most coaches. Maybe not the coaching experience, obviously. You might not be as good a coach, but you probably have the same knowledge as a lot of coaches. Yeah. Um, so I kind of think it covers covers both populations pretty well. Very cool. Yeah. It's exciting. It is. It's very exciting. I'm, I'm pretty pumped about it. It's just going to be like, because I was producing all these different products and courses and all this stuff, and I was like, fuck, if I could just put it all in one place and have everybody have access to it, that would be cool. Yes. So that's what I'm doing. Cool. Yeah. Dude, it's, uh, man, you are a wealth of information. <laughs> and you. you are, um, and you're, you're a, you know, I think you're really, you're really good at putting it into terms that, that people can understand. Hopefully. Which is a hard, yeah, which is a hard thing for someone yeah. who has an academic background. Yeah. Um, it's been mad having you on today. Thanks for Loved making it. the time for us. Absolutely. Thanks, Luke. Anytime. Thanks, Luke. Loved it. Definitely going to be listening uh, to back to this one a couple yeah, cool. of times. I listen back nice to all the podcasts I do. It's weird. Yeah, it's yeah. a bit indulgent. It is. Yeah. <laughs> I can't do it. But if only I could mute your guys' voices and just listen to <laughs> <Yeah>. me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's so much day. truth. So in much truth. <laughs> <laughs> Real talk. Yeah. <laughs> um, thank you, man. Legend. Thanks, Luke. Appreciate it, thanks, guys. Thanks, bro. Thanks. Take us out, Joe. Oh, thanks for tuning in today, fam. Two-part series with Luke Tullock. Um, big shout-out to our boy, Tree, from Panavore Cafe in Pagewood. Oh, Tree. Supplinus. You know Tree? Yeah. I used to train Tree. Holy fuck, you trained... Yeah. Were you his powerlifting coach? Yeah. Oh, dude, that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah, well, he trains... Way back in the day. Yeah, okay. He still talks about those times. That's awesome, man. Um, he's and a he's, cool guy. He's a fucking cool guy, huh? Yeah. Oh, that's so great. Super cool guy. Yeah, he supplies the coffee for our show. Oh, wicked. Um, and he supplies us every week and he trains here at the gym. And Panavore is a sick little cafe down in Pagewood. They do a delicious egg sandwich with ham and cheese and a homemade chili sauce that is exceptional. Cold uh, trip. Cold if, trip's great. If it fits mm. your macros. Yeah, we, uh, we sell the cold <laughs> trip here at the gym. But um, find us uh, on Instagram at Jungle Brothers Movement and you can find us online, junglebrothers.com. If you've got any questions, hit us up. And if you like the show, please give us an epic rating and just tell one person about it. Let them know because it's good information. We'd like to spread it out there and it helps us survive. Uh, thanks, fam. Catch you guys next time. Yep. Thank you. See ya. <laughs>